Welcome to the I Create Daily Podcast. I'm Leora Alderson. And I'm Devani Alderson. We're your co-hosts on this journey of creativity and productivity. I Create Daily is for artists in every genre of creating, from musicians to writers, crafters to inventors, bloggers to entrepreneurs. I Create Daily is a movement for creators serious about your art. If you're into creating anything, this podcast is definitely for you. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. Okay. Hello and welcome to the I Create Daily podcast, a movement for creators serious about their art. I'm Leora. And I'm Devani. And today's guest has a pretty sweet story. Part CEO, part personal development wonk, part biohacker info geek, Tom King is a self-confessed serial entrepreneur. Tom focuses on doing well while doing good things in the world. In 1999, Tom's personal passion for food and his concern over the explosion of metabolic disease led him to found Steviva Brands, now known as Icon Foods, with a mission to stem the tide of what he coined diabesity by providing customers with healthy alternatives to sugar. In recent years, his passion for food and optimal health have intersected with his embracing of the ketogenic low-carb, high-fat diet. Tom's latest project is a line of ketogenic condiments intended to help more people successfully adopt a healthier lifestyle. Tom also wrote a book, Guy Gone Keto, How to Lose Weight, Feel Great, and Achieve Lifelong Fitness. And we will link all the book link and his website in the show notes. So welcome, Tom. Thank you so much. This is great. Um, I'm truly honored to be on your podcast. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to answer any questions you guys have. Oh, yes. And we have tons. We could spend like <laughs> days with you. Hanging out I love it. Learning from you because like oh. you, we're serial entrepreneurs. So you're a serial mm-hmm. entrepreneur. You've done so much. Um, and, you know, you're doing it so well from, you know, multiple companies, uh, creating multiple products and writing a book. So take us back, if you would, on your creator's journey. Like, how did it all get started? That I mean, first of all, I know you had a mission to be a solution, to be a positive solution to a big problem in the world. But like most people have that idea and they may not take it into a product, an entire company and all of that. So take us on your journey of how that all got started. Um, well, yeah, as you said, I'm a fifth generation entrepreneur, so it, it's sort of in my DNA mm-hmm. and, um, it was in 1990, like 1992. Um, and I was living in Arizona at the time and I ran into this gentleman, his name was Jim May. Um, and he was, he'd just come back from Paraguay and he, he had a bunch of different herbs that he'd, uh, that he'd gotten out of the, I guess, the rainforest and jungle there. And he had one, uh, he had one jar. And he said, hey, I think you should try this. And it was a jar of green paste. And he handed it to me and I tasted it. And it was about, I would say, 25 times sweeter than sugar. Um, not a really pleasant taste, but a light bulb sort of went off. And I thought, you know what? if there was a way that we could extract those sweet constituents from this leaf, this could be a great, you know, a great natural sweetener. And this was about the time that, uh, that aspartame got approved by the FDA. Um, So I saw the opportunity there. And I mean, even as, you know, 15 years ago or longer, 20 years ago, um, you know, I had this interest in health and I always sort of battled, 
yo-yo weight, you know, my weight was up and down. And so, you know, I saw this as a pretty interesting solution. So at that point, it sort of sent me on this journey of being able to find a manufacturer and a method of using like clean water extraction to get the sweetness out of those leaves so we could use it, you know, use it as a, uh, as an actual sweetener for food ingredients and, you know, people that could use as a tabletop, uh, you know, replacement for sugar. Wow. So, you know, you said, so five gener fifth generation on, <laughs> but what were you doing at the time? Um, at the time, I actually had a job at a Fortune 100 corporation. It was called Clear Channel. And uh, I was a regional vice president and did like integrated marketing programs. <laughs> so where we would tie, we did 60,000 live events every year um, wow. on a global basis. And you, you would probably know the company now by Live Nation because they split up different parts of it. But I used to work... Um, in integrated marketing where we would we would create experiential sort of marketing platforms for uh you know to to get people that were you know that were concerts and stuff to actually experience the uh, other brands while you know while they were you know being entertained so that was that was my um that was my main job um and then staviva was actually my side hustle so for a long time, it was my side hustle out of my garage. Yeah, I love that because we have so many people who are in that category of working in side hustle mm. until nice. place the job job. And so, so did you know before you started Stevia and you came up with the idea when you first were introduced to it, did you, were you looking for something actively? Were you thinking about doing your own thing at that point? Um, I, I always think of doing my own thing. And, oh. and even now, I think of doing my own thing. So... I, I do a lot of journaling in the morning, so I'll get up and start journaling. And so I also have like a, this little black notebook, leather bound notebook that if I start coming up with an idea, I'll actually draft an executive summary and, you know, the framework for a business plan. Oh. Um, so <laughs> a couple of people have told me that that, that that book is worth billions of dollars. I mean, oh. there's a lot of ideas that are really esoteric. Um, but I, I, it's sort of in my blood to create, um, you know, I've got three companies right now that, you know, that I run. So I've got Staviva Brands, which is our retail and Icon Foods, which is our ingredient. And then I wrote that book, Guy Gun Keto, and we launched the condiments. So I, I have, you know, I have these three, these three businesses that keep me insanely busy, but for some reason I just can't stop like, Oh, this seems like such a great idea. So I, I have to have a certain level of people are, you know, that I've surrounded myself with that can keep my feet on the ground and yeah. tell me, Hey, maybe you should try focusing. And yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and, and meditation helps with that too. Yeah, it's nice to hear that there are other people who thrive in a certain level of chaos. <laughs> it's the only way I know how. And what's interesting is like, you know, I've got, you know, several employees here and it, the people that work out the best do love a chaotic environment. And I mean, the environment here is most definitely chaotic, but it's also collaborative, collaborative and also supportive. So everybody has each other's backs. And we, you know, I run a company where, you know, failure, um, failure is actually rewarded um, because it means somebody is thinking outside the box. So nobody's ever gotten fired or, or even admonished for, 
uh, for failing. You know, we fail forward, and that's sort of our that's sort of our mantra. <laughs> We're a bunch of failures. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> no, we love all of this. We yeah. write lots of articles on this topic. So this is mm. perfect. And, you know, we, we've also interviewed Jeff Woods, who is the CEO of the One Thing um, kind of brand, which was yeah. written by Jay Papasan and yeah. Gary Keller. And many creatives don't necessarily identify with just the one thing. And so, for instance, um, what we've kind of glommed onto as our one thing is that rather than owning one web website or one product, we own a media publishing company mm -hmm. under which there are many things. And so it would right. seem like for you, you would be, you could say that you own a, a food, would it be a food industry? Is that? Yeah, food? they're all, they're all food related. Um, but a lot of my uh, more esoteric ideas are not really food related. I mean, they're, they're most of them are, are based in health and wellness. Um, so, you know, I've, I'm, I, I have a very a deep interest in, in, you know, in the microbiome and mm. I read science journals for fun. So <laughs> <laughs> such a geek, I'm like, not the life of the party, unless you want to start talking about, you know, the, your bacteria and the flora that live with, within your body. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm constantly, you know, everything, I, I think anything that I create and anything that. I'm looking, you know, putting my, my, my intention into um, is health related and anything that I do create has to have, has to have a component of contribution. Like it has to make a positive impact in the world. Otherwise I won't do it um, because it, it doesn't make sense for me. Right. Well, that's a good point. And I think um, it just goes back to whether you relate to the chaos of running lots of companies versus the focus of just focusing on one project, it all stems back to sort of a, a core purpose. And you can generally link in a person like a core purpose with everything they start and yours is like very health centered and bettering the world, which yeah. health generally betters the world. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. So yeah, I would say that it's organized chaos. So uh, the moving parts are always sort of chaotic, but the mission is always uh, extremely focused um, on on health, wellness, you know, making an impact on metabolic disease. So all of these, you know, all of these things that I think encompass doing doing good as we do well um, really is what drives us. I love that. Drives yeah. me. That makes perfect sense. So when you started back in, in what is it, 1992, you were first mm. introduced to that stevia and then you started your side job. Take us through that journey a little bit. Like how long did it take you? What was involved? And you know, at what point were you able to leave your job kind of thing? You know, I know it's a big story and there right. were so many trial and errors. Maybe it was huge. Yeah. And what's inspiring about that, that sort of origin story is it really helps other people who are just looking to take what it is they're already creating and bring it into the world. It helps them realize that anything's possible. Um, yeah, that's well, pain and suffering um, <laughs> are things that you need to learn to embrace and leverage. Um, and I think that that's been, that's been my journey. Um, you know, finding the things that, that challenge me or finding the things that, that bring fear to me. Um, which is a direct message that I've got to walk towards it. So yeah. it's, there's, there is, there's pain, there's suffering, there's, there's lots of self-doubt. Um, 
you know, and then when you finally make it, then there's, of course, the, the imposter syndrome that kicks in. Like, hey, I don't know how I got here, but I got here. And, you know, who am I to be the CEO of a multi-million dollar company? I grew up on a farm. So, you know, it's always those sort of those challenges that I think that in, enrich in the experience. And so when, you know, like if, if your audience is entrepreneurs, the one thing that I can honestly say is that you're going to fail um, and embrace it and pivot um, and pivot into something, uh, you know, that makes sense for you. And I mean, I, when I ran into Jim May, I was, um, I was selling radio ads for, uh, you know, for a radio station at that point in time. So, I mean, you could even rewind a little bit further, like a year or two before I met Jim May. Um, I had, uh, moved from Colorado and sort of really screwed up my life a little bit by investing in real estate and thinking I was knowing what I was doing when I was like 24 years old with real estate and trusts and then the real estate market fell apart. So I basically had all my personal belongings in the trunk of yeah, a Nissan uh, Maxima or no, a Toyota Maxima, whatever, Nissan Maxima. And drove down to Arizona to sleep on a friend of mine's floor because I didn't have any place to stay. I didn't have, I had no money. I just had the stuff in my, you know, in my trunk. And um, I sat around on my butt feeling sorry for myself. And, uh, you know, I, I actually decided to go for a hike and I was smoking like a couple packs of cigarettes a day. And so I got about halfway up this mountain. People are passing me. And I'm like, you know what, if, if you don't make it to the top of this hill, you're going to go back, you're going to pack up all of your stuff, and you're going to go home, and you're going to live with your mom. <laughs> and this is why I was like 20, 26 or 27. That didn't feel like an option that I wanted to <laughs> exercise. So I think that was the first time I sort of leveraged, the, leveraged that pain um, at, that, at that point in time. Uh, I did make it to the top. I had to practically crawl. Um, then I quit smoking cigarettes and decided that I was going to get a job in sales, but I didn't have any sales experience and nobody would hire me. And I wanted to get into radio sales. So, uh, so I actually was rolling through the newspaper and there was an ad that says, we'll train you how to sell. Um, and it was a company called ABC Nissan in, in Phoenix. So I actually sold used cars for six months, but they trained me. They trained me how to sell, like ask questions and how to close. And so after six months, I went from not knowing anything about sales to being the number one sales salesperson on the car lot. And I thought at this point, I can probably parlay this experience into going to the radio station and saying, hey, can I get a job selling ads, which I did, and then still nobody would hire me. So eventually I ended up talking to a guy who was running a radio station. It was a really small radio station. And I said, look, I'll work for you for free for a month. You don't have to pay me. If you see that I'm bringing value to you, then you can start paying me. Six months, I mean, I was driven too. I mean, I was like, I will be obsessed to be successful with this. And then after about eight months, I ended up having his job. And then two years after that, he ended up working for me. Wow. And that's when I ran into Jim May and, 
you know, being in the broadcast industry, I moved up the corporate ladder, you know, pretty quickly. Um, but then I saved all my money um, for this little for this little side hustle that I had that's grown into <laughs> grown into this not huge business, but you know, a fun, big, action-packed business. Right. Fantastic. So tell us, um, like, what kind of daily um, productive habits? You said you journal in the morning. Oh. When you were working, you were uh, carrying a full-time job, and then you were creating a successful, this, a successful full-time, full-time job while doing this side hustle, which meant that you were sourcing products, you were developing mm-hmm. a brand, you were, and and that was all by yourself for a while. So just give us a synopsis of like of of what that looked like, like what how do you, how your work, you know, how you made that happen. Um, I would say that I used the think it and ink it um, process, where if you are not writing things down, right, you're not writing your action plan down, um, you're going to be like sailing a ship with no navigation and you're going to end up on the rocks. So, I mean, the biggest, probably the biggest, uh, I would say contributor to my success is, is putting these goals and putting your intention of what you want to manifest in, in writing, um, like what it is you want to do and then creating your action plan and putting definitive dates like, you know, we'll de- I'm going to develop packaging, you know, for our new retail line by XYZ date. And then this is going to lead me to my next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And you just keep doing those goals. So like I've got, you know, binders of my goals going back all the way to when, you know, 1992. So, I mean, and I keep them and I even reflect on them. Whoops. <laughs> I even reflect on them. Because then you can get that satisfaction of like, whoa, look where I was. And I really think writing things down and getting your goals on paper, it, it, there's something magical about it. And I mean, I'm a person rooted in science, so I'm not a person who believes in a lot of magic. But it's, it's odd to me that when you set your intention and you map out what you want to do, that part of that part of of actually getting into it in writing seems to seems to be a catalyst for for manifesting. And I mean, I'm amazed even now when I go back to see the goals that I've written down and the processes. And I mean, I fail at a lot of it, and some of it I don't, you know, I don't accomplish. But by and large, the big stuff I do, and it's like, man, this is like <laughs> this stuff really works. So, yeah, think it and ink it. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And we were uh, just, we did a, we have a coffee break session episodes that we do where it's just Devani and I riffing mm-hmm. on, on things and that we were just talking about yeah. that, uh, the concept that's so important to, we, mm-hmm. we sell a goals journal and, you know, really it's like planning a trip and, you know, fully and more time planning a trip than they do actually planning their day, their week, their year and their right. accomplishments. And yet so it works like the same way. It works way. the same way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause it's a trip. Your life's a journey. So, I mean, there's no difference. And if you, you know, if you're not planning your journey, then you're just going to end up going in circles and it's just, you know, write it down. And then, you know, as I said before, like I, I'm, I'm before I do anything in the morning, you know, I'll brush my teeth, drink some water, and then I journal. And that really sets the stage. And once, you know, I'm done journaling, then I go through what I call my hour of power I kind of stole that from Tony Robbins, Um, but it's super effective. Like my workout, my meditation, my stretching, my yoga, 
um, you know, going for a run. So those are the things that sort of set the stage for my day. And I really think that that contributes quite a bit to my success because it allows me to stay focused um, and grounded. And it also, it's just a way of taking care of yourself, you know, like giving yourself a big hug, you know, like um, my sister always says, you know, there's a reason that you put your oxygen mask on first. So it's like, if you take care of yourself first, then you're going to be able to easily take care of other people. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I know that you're big into health and fitness and it is an area in which creators um, we want to be more, especially when we sit a lot, like many of us are either sitting at our workstations doing our creative work, whether it's at the computer, whatever we're doing. And I'm curious, and you also said you like the science of all of this type of stuff, but in the fitness and health aspect, I'm sure you have noticed a big correlation between taking care of your body and how it affects your business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. and your sharpness and um ah i just lost my question (laughs) that's awesome i'm glad that i'm not the only person that that happens (laughs) (laughs) i love it yeah but you but you so you were ready to respond to that though basically so i think you know because that you said that the fitness part is an important part it's hugely important i mean you have to take care of your body like this is your vehicle and, you know, this is, this is what gets you around. And if it's broken, and then you're not going to get around. And if you, if you aren't able to function at peak performance, um, then you're not going to be nearly as successful as you could if you, you know, if you were getting four hours of sleep a night. Like, that's, to me, you need eight hours of sleep. And I have this little ring here that actually tracks my sleep cycle and since I got it, I'm super focused on getting between eight and nine hours of sleep per night. And wow. like, that is the thing i you know, and so I have, I'm, I'm pulling blood. So I pull my blood every, like every quarter. So like I'll do a full blood panel. I do a full panel of my microbiome every single month. Um, you know, and also like every six months I'll do like hormone tests. It's called the uh, Dutch test. So, like, I'm constantly tracking these things to see if any of these little modalities or tweaks that I do actually have any impact. So, I'm very curious to see how the how getting eight to nine hours of sleep every night is going to be affecting my blood pressure level, and and I'm sort of curious to see if it's going to move inflammation markers as well. So, um, but I do know that I feel a hundred percent better, and I'm drinking a lot less coffee. <laughs> Okay, well, what is the ring called? Oh, this is a motif. Motif. A motif ring, M-O-T-I-V. And I don't have anything to do with them, but it's, you know, I wanted a way to effectively track my sleep. And I had a Fitbit, um, but I got a rash from it. Um, mm-hmm. it the band or something, I, I, it's latex, and I'm not sure if my body was just like, hey, I don't like this, but the ring seems to be you know, seems to be pretty, pretty effective. And I'm really impressed with how it tracks, uh, tracks my sleep. So there, sorry, go ahead. Um, there's other rings out there and, but I don't know, you know, this one I'm trying out once I break it, which I had no doubt in my mind, it'll get broken. Hopefully I'm surprised it's lasted this long. I've had it for two months, 
Um, it's pretty scuffed up, so it'll probably be broken in another couple months. And then when I break it, I'll I'll try the other one and I'll I'll blog about it, like oh, which one was better and how come I like it, and so people can right. people can look at it and have comments. Definitely. And so, how long it took to break? Yeah, <laughs> You're right. Yeah, that's so, the that's the main thing. It's held up pretty well. Like, um, yeah. So I, it maybe it will outlast me. But I don't think so. Like I end up breaking things and <sighs> part of my thing. It happens. Well, so and we're going to get more into the fitness aspect. Mm. Um, we have a part two interview with you after right. this. We'll be posting on our website mytrainerfitness.com, which we'll link to this um, in, the for the, notes, in yeah. the show notes for the I Create Daily audience. But to kind of wrap up this session about your creator entrepreneurial journey mm. and your author journey, you've already pretty well line, uh, outlined your daily habits, your productivity right. habits that help you to get so much done and be so su successful. So we could wrap up, you're talking about how you decided to write your book, Guy Gone Keto. Mm. You decided, what a great name too, by the way. Oh, thank and, you. Um, also, then we'd like to kind of conclude with your phil philanthropic um, journey because I think I know we, and perhaps many in our audience as well, have aspirations to move our success into philanthropy as well. <laughs> right, right. And so you, you'd like to hear the journey about the book. The book first, yes. Guy Gone Keto. Well, that book was sort of an accident. I And so is the product line. It was something that sort of happened organically. Um, I, we, I have a, an ingredient company and we supply sweeteners to a lot of sports nutrition companies. And a lot of these sports nutrition companies uh, support ketogenic and low carb dieting. And I was carrying an extra 35 pounds. My blood pressure was like 199 over 99. I mean, I was anything but the specimen, specimen of health. And I was in, oops, I was in, um, Vegas. I was in Las Vegas. There we go. I was in Las Vegas. Because you were showing us that you slimmed down. <laughs> yes, I, you got to see. This is this is it right here. Um, so I, I got to. Yeah, so I was uh, having dinner with with a client, you know, and they were buying dinner. So of course I had like a gigantic, huge steak and and baked potato and dessert, and we had a, a bottle of wine. And I was staying at the Luxor. And so I think maybe the Luxor should have been torn down 10 years ago. Um, but I, that's just my opinion. Um, but I was staying there and it, it, the room was a little decadent. It had like a jacuzzi in it. And it was like, uh, I'm not super comfortable here. Um, it smelled like, I would say, stale liquor um, combined with uh, broken dreams and regret. That scent. And I'm like... Hmm. So when I got back to the room, I basically looked in the mirror and I was like, Ooh, man, I just do not like what I see, but not so much from the perspective of I was carrying extra weight, but that I was just a fraud. You know, I'm working in the health industry and I'm so unhealthy. Um, and at that point, the, the, the pain of, of my sloth and bad habits exceeded the pleasure that I was deriving from them. And that's when I, I'd had a, a, a shift in my mindset that took me down this path. So I'm sort of a weirdo about writing things down. And so I, I started documenting 
like my experience. Like, okay, so I'm going to adopt a ketogenic lifestyle. Like I'd done the diet before, but diets 100% don't work. And I think that you guys have a post on that, which is fantastic. Diets do not work. A lifestyle shift is the only way that you're going to see lasting change. So I had done keto, low carb, the cabbage soup diet, the lemonade diet. I'd done, I've done all of those diets before and I've lost weight, but I never, it was never permanent. It was always yo-yo weight. I was always a little, you know, heavy and then I'd be a little thin and it just kept going back and forth. At this point in time, I was like, I need to commit to, to a lifestyle change. And so I documented all of this. And while the book is called Guy Gone Keto and it's, it touches on keto, it's, it, I would say that it's more about how to make an effective lifestyle change, whether, whether keto is your thing, because it's not for everybody, um, or low carb or paleo or whatever, or vegan vegetarianism. It's whatever, you know, whatever works for you. But the book is more about making that lifestyle change, um, you know, and being committed to it. And so I just wrote it down. I'm like, this is what I'm going through. These are the things I'm experiencing. Um, these are the things I'm using to leverage my pain, um, you know, into, you know, propelling my success. Um, and then the next thing I knew, I had a book. Oh, <laughs> oh what, should I, what should I do with this? Well, and then when I was on a keto diet, I, I thought about the things that I was missing. Like, oh, I can't have ketchup on my hamburger because it's got more sugar than ice cream. And right. then, oh, I can't have barbecue because barbecue has more more sugar than a Snickers bar. And it's sugar, it's high fructose corn syrup, right? Oh, it's crazy. The cra it's crazy the amount of sugar that it has. So I'm like, well, you know what? I, I have a 3,000 square foot lab. I'm like, I'm going to make this stuff myself. So I started, came up with the basic recipes and started using it. And the next thing I knew, we were developing a brand. And it just sort of launched uh, organically. So that, that's, it, that has been a lot of fun. I love that. It, makes, it just makes so much sense that all that you're doing is offshoot of yourself, you and your life. Yeah. You know? And so it all just makes sense. And that's when I think that it's like a happy chaos in that regard because mm -hmm. it's, well you living your life and your natural inclination is to create to ideate and to do something with that um so i love it's like the time's gonna pass anyway so right. <laughs> and i'm sure other people who do the keto diet or other diets are like i'm really missing you know when you do any type of lifestyle change diet food change it's like you there are still things you miss and it's like right. what are the alternatives yeah yeah. So that's, yeah, that was, that was how the book started. Then the condiments and um, yeah. And now I just like to create, you know, food that I can eat and it just happens that other people like them as well. So I'm going to, we're going to keep creating more products and getting them out to the public. Fantastic. Okay. Well, we'll definitely link to that. We have both your site, which is uh, tomking.com and it's Tom T H O M. And then um, we have the guygoneketo.com. So we're going to both of those. And uh, your book. Yes. So we, if we could close, yeah, if we could close this um, interview with your sharing about your philanthropic work. Um, those, that's something, well, I honestly feel like if you're not giving back, you know, if you're not uh, paying it forward, if you will, that you, I think that that's just bad karma. Like, because if you, you know, if you are 
drawing things to you and you're manifesting, you know, success. I think that it's, 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 it's your duty, your 100% duty to actually inspire, encourage, um, you know, share your knowledge, freely share your knowledge with, uh, you know, with other people that, you know, that are, are trying to get on the same path as you. Um, I don't know if I would say that that is necessarily philanthropic. Um, the things that I do like to um, donate to and, and give money to are, are based in environmental, um, but more importantly, education. So there's a school down the street from where we are, you know, where our office is right now, it's called the Open School, and they, they work with at-risk at youth, and they're hugely successful um, with getting, you know, with getting kids graduating from high school and then moving, you know, moving to, uh, on to college. And their, their curriculum is, is extremely sort of collaborative and, um, and based in motivating and not, you know, and not beating somebody down because a lot of these, a lot of these kids that are already struggling have been beaten down enough. And, you know, once, once you start, you know, sort of fertilizing that ground with, you know, positive feedback, it's, uh, you can see some, some real success. And when I toured their school, I got really excited about it because their values are very similar to how our corporate culture is. And, it was the quietest school I've ever been in. It was just very quiet. The kids were all studying and I got to talk to some of the students and the students, you know, the, the teachers asked them, well, how do you like being here and how is it different from, you know, from the school, um, you know, that you were, that you were attending and, and across the board, they're like, well, learning is now becoming fun and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like torture to me. So these kids show up. So there's really their truancy rates almost zero. So it's, it's, uh, yeah. So I would say that, you know, this year, next year and the years ahead that, that, uh, my causes that I donate to are going to be by and large, all, uh, education. Fantastic. I love that. That's wonderful. Well, Tom King, <laughs> thank you so much for spending this time with us and welcome here. And you're also with the mytrainerfitness.com audience. Are there any parting words that you'd like to share with the creator entrepreneurial artist audience? Um, don't give up, never give up. And, um, you are the sum of the five people closest to you. So if you have somebody in your, in your inner circle, who's not supporting what you do, replace them with somebody who will. Awesome. awesome. Excellent. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us for the I Create Daily podcast. Please let us know what creatives you would like us to interview and what topics you would be interested in hearing more about. And if you enjoyed this show, please leave a review on iTunes. We value your feedback. We read all the reviews and it just helps us get the word out on the I Create Daily podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks so much.